market rate, £3,000 a day. Were you signing Lionel Messi? This is First Minister's questions. Just once, just once, it would be nice to get a First Minister's answer. Any political party in this chamber that was confident in their arguments around independence would not be desperate to deny the people of Scotland the right to make that choice. The Steamy, a laudable production for the Scotsman. Hello and welcome to The Steamy, The Scotsman's political podcast. I should say it's The Scotsman's award-nominated podcast as well. So, uh, you know, you at home are listening to a phenomenal piece of content every week. Um, with me this week, as always, is Alistair Grant. I'm Conor Matchett. I'm the Deputy Political Editor. Alistair, you're the Political Editor. It's been a mad week since we last spoke on this podcast in a special bonus urgent episode um, last Wednesday, we're talking today on Wednesday as well, because you, you lucky human being, are going to be off for the next two days. How have the last week been? It's been crazy. Last Wednesday feels like a long time ago. Nicola Sturgeon's resignation. A generation ago. Feels like a different era of Scottish politics. We've obviously had the beginning of the SNP leadership race. Mm-hmm. We've had the three candidates entering that race. And we've had a massive row that we're now on. A kind of seems like we've gone through different stages of this row already, <laughs> and we're literally only a week into this. But yeah, we can we can come on to talk about this. Absolutely, we have to mention very briefly that we're not ignoring Scottish Labour conference because we don't like Scottish Labour. It is simply that there's too much to talk about around the SNP leadership. So we'll kick off talking about that, and we've got three contenders. We've got Health Secretary Hamza Youssef. Finance Secretary Kate Forbes and former Community Safety Minister and Gender Rebel Ash Reagan. We'll look at all three of their campaigns first, but let's touch on Kate Forbes first, who's had quite possibly the worst campaign launch in the history of campaign launches. Yeah, I think even her supporters would say that this has been a bit of a nightmare launch. Mm. It's been less than ideal. Um, I think to some extent they would have seen this coming but I think it's taken them aback, the extent of this. So this is obviously the row over Kate Forbes's socially conservative views. She's a member, a committed member of the Free Church of Scotland, which is known for its socially conservative views. I think every journalist in Scotland was just waiting to ask her about her views on issues like gay marriage, abortion, obviously the gender bill that went through Holyrood just before Christmas. But yeah, I mean, the big row is focused on her views on gay marriage, and she's essentially said that she would not have supported that legislation if she'd been an MSP at the time in Holyrood. And it caused a massive row, it's fair to say. I think it's a couple of interesting things about it. Actually, there's much more than a couple. We can go on to talk about this. (laughs) But the first one is that she gave a number of interviews on Monday about this, one of them to us, one of them to uh, the Scottish Daily Mail, obviously a number of broadcast interviews, and the form of words she used was really, really similar in mm. all those interviews. This is clearly a line that she'd agreed on to come out front, uh, get on the front foot, and just be completely honest about her views uh, and to just come out and say this. And I think that's interesting because obviously she wasn't, it wasn't something that took her by surprise, it's something mm. that she prepared. I think the, the tactic there was, as I say, to come out and just be honest about it and hope that you can then move on once you've got that row out of the way. Obviously, it didn't quite work like that because <laughs> I think the, the backlash was more than they maybe imagined. And I think we can maybe come on to talk about uh, the kind of wider debate over how legitimate it is to kind of go into someone's mm-hmm. religious views. 
as I say, there's obviously a number of interesting points to this. I think the, the other one was how the party reacted to this. We had, even today, we've had a number of the kind of different reactions from MSPs. We've had people like Tony Giuliano, the policy convener of the SNP, effectively saying, I think he said that she should withdraw from mm. the contest or basically implied that over these comments. You've had people saying there's no place in the SNP, the kind of modern SNP for a leader that has those views. But you've also had people, backers like Jim Fairley, the SNP MSP, who has come out today and basically said that uh, she'd actually shown honesty, integrity, she'd said what her religious views was, uh, as far as he's concerned, they're her own private views. Um, and I think Kate Forbes is quite clear that although she's saying she wouldn't have backed that gay marriage legislation, she was effectively saying that she would defend, I think her words were defend to the hilt those rights now that they exist. Now that won't be enough for some people because obviously she is effectively saying that if she was first minister at the time, that gay marriage would not have happened. There was further interviews with people like Sky News in which she said things like, um, in her personal view, having children out of wedlock is wrong. So again, this just pl plays into her, her, her general religious views. And I think the other interesting thing about this is that this is not something that should have come as a surprise to mm -hmm. anyone who follows Scottish politics. Right. As I say, every journalist in Scotland is waiting to ask these questions because it was widely known that these were Kate Forbes's views. Uh, and I think it's interesting that she had a number of people that had come out and backed her, people like Tom Arthur, uh, the public finance minister, uh, I think Claire Hockey as well. You had other figures, Gillian Martin. Richard Lockhead. Richard Lockhead, who withdrew their support in the aftermath of this backlash. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I think there's questions to be asked of them as to why this took them by surprise. They must have known that these were her views. Either they didn't quite know the extent of them or they thought that she might express them in a different way that would be you know, more political and less likely to, to provoke a backlash like this. I don't know what you made of it. Yeah, I think it's important to state for, for you at home if you, don't, if you don't know exactly what Kate Forbes said. We weren't the only people to talk to her on Monday. We were simply the first people to get it get that story out there with that particular line but I asked her very straight you know would, would she have voted for for gay marriage um, back in the day and her response was well you know she thought that it should be a matter of conscience at which point you know the follow-up question is well that's why I'm asking you what you would have believed and as you as you referenced you know she had a very similar uh, response to all the people that, that asked her this question which was you know that she would have taken the approach of Angela Merkel, the German Chancellor, who in 2017, when Germany passed their own same-sex marriage um, legislation, she voted against it on a matter of conscience. She said that that was in line with all or most mainstream religions as well. And you're right, I think, I felt there was a, the, the, there's a, there's a key difference, right, in the sorts of questions she was getting on Monday and the sorts of questions I think that some ended up asking on, on Tuesday, you know, particularly extramarital children or, you know, children outside of marriage and, and issues like that, whereby the question on same-sex marriage, more so on gender recognition and abortion, and arguably questions as yet unasked on things like the smacking ban and other, you know, progressive social attitudes are critical to understanding what Kate Forbes is like as a first minister and as a politician. And critically, above and beyond anything, whether or not her views inform how she approaches policy in that role. And I think 
you, you mentioned Jim Fairley calling it cancel culture effectively, you know, and others going, this is insane, you know, the response to this has been illiberal and un intolerant, and we should be a tolerant society, tolerant of views, and that this supposedly, this backlash and this simply asking the question is suggesting that people with religious views don't have a place at, in high office. I don't think that's true. I don't think it's a fair reflection of why the question was being asked. Because fundamentally, and her supporters know this, and I've written as much in The Scotsman today, Kate Forbes is coming into this leadership campaign. One of the first things she's promised is to effectively ditch the gender recognition reform bill because of her personal views on the gender recognition reform bill and gender reform more generally. Ergo, her personal private views on social issues determine, at least in that case and potentially in other cases, how she would govern. That makes all of the views that she holds of public interest, whether or not she likes it or not, whether or not her supporters like it or not, we are allowed to ask about it without it being, you know, an attack on her religion. It's not about faith, it's about policy. And I don't think she was expecting that sort of response from the wider, wider SNP movement. I think, I think it's a complicated issue. I agree with you that nothing is out of bounds when someone is running for this kind of position. You can ask about anything you want, as Absolutely. far as I'm concerned. Yeah. But I do think we do get into a tricky situation. I think, again, particularly with that question about children out of wedlock. Mm. I mean, she said that's a, a mainstream religious view, and it is true that many religious people would hold that view. Yep. And she explicitly said in the interview that she would not uh, judge anyone else for it, in the sense that you, you know she'd celebrate kids that have been born from her friends and family out of wedlock. It was just her own position that she's talking about. I suppose that the concern comes, are we saying that someone who holds those kind of deeply held religious views cannot hold high office? I think there is maybe a bit of a debate to be had about there, and it's a debate we've had before, for example, over Tim Farron. But John Swinney, just to, sorry to interrupt, John Swinney is an interesting case because he came out to this morning as well, effectively put the knife into Kate Forbes a little bit. But he is a man of self-admittedly deep faith, but a man who leads a leads alongside Nicola Sturgeon in a deeply progressive government. But there are lots of different types of faith. That's the whole point. There's lots of different ways you can hold faith. It is, it is a difficult, it's a tricky issue. It's a moral issue as well as a political issue. One of the problems here is that Kate Forbes wants to lead the SNP. Yeah. So it's about yeah. what the SNP members think of this. Yeah. You know, that's what this leadership contest is all about. And one of the issues is we don't actually know a lot about the SNP members. We've not had a proper leadership contest in almost two decades. Mm. There's been... There have been polling into what SNP members think of things, but it's been limited. I think the last one was in 2019. We had a piece that I wrote in The Scotsman basically about a poll that was done by uh, Professor Tim Bale of uh, Queen Mary University of London, a YouGov poll of SNP members back in 2017 on the issue of same-sex marriage, and SNP members were extremely supportive of same-sex marriage. So this will be a problem for Kate Forbes in her campaign. I think when you look at those issues like gender recognition, it's much more unclear what SNP members think of that. Those polls that have been done in 2019, for example, SNP members were predominantly older. They were socially liberal, but not that obviously had limits. Uh, they were middle class. It's not clear what they think of things. And we can maybe get into what that means in terms of the wider election of people like Ash Reagan as well, right. who's been kind of, I think, slightly dismissed from this contest, seen as the outsider candidate. But there's really not a whole lot of evidence for people to say that, other than that she obviously does not agree with the leadership, the current leadership of the SNP. We don't really know where SNP members stand on her. Let's briefly talk about Kate Forbes's 
campaign's prospects going forward. She, as of the minute we're talking about this, she's basically taking a break today, you know, taking a break on day, what is day three of her formal campaign is never a good sign. She was teetering on the brink last night. There were suggestions Ivan McKee, her de facto campaign head, was pleading with her effectively to to, to quit the race. And do you think she's going to stick on, first and foremost? And secondly, you mentioned we don't know where the SNP membership is, but where do you see her campaign going? Is there space for recovery? Certainly, I think her campaign has been on the brink in the last couple of days. I think the consensus now seems to be that she's determined for the moment to fight on, mm. that she will continue the campaign. Um, I think we're obviously speaking on Wednesday. This whole row was kind of coming to head on Tuesday night. I think the fact that she didn't step down on Tuesday, uh, I think since she hasn't done that, it's probably more likely that she'll just stick it out now for a bit. I don't know if she'll last till the end, but... Mm. Uh, there might also be a perception from her that she doesn't want to see be seen to have been bullied out, you know, maybe her perception of it from people targeting or criticising her religious views and then her bowing out of the campaign because of that. Um, she is, seems to be taking a bit of a break right now. She's going to come back and try and reset her campaign, maybe focus more on policy, issues like independence, try and get away from this whole same-sex marriage, religious views debate. I don't really see... A recovery for her in the sense that even if she gets to the end of this campaign, like I said, all that we know of the SNP membership is limited. But what we do know of them is that on issues like same-sex marriage, very recently, the polling was that they are very supportive of it. I don't think they'll look kindly on her views on this. They are obviously a very large membership, socially liberal. I think there's maybe a space for her to come back and maybe try and create some difference of Hamza Yusuf on mm. independence. That's something that activists will care a lot about. Uh, and at the end of the day, it's something I was saying to you earlier on, I think one of the golden rules of politics is that the received wisdom is 90% of the time when it comes to these things, or 90% is an exaggeration. <laughs> a lot of the time it's completely wrong. Yep. And commentators, political journalists often just get stuff completely wrong. Uh, look at Brexit. Look at recent developments in UK politics. Arguably, Kate Forbes' campaign full stop is a good example of that rule holding true. On Friday, she was a front runner viewed as the competent choice and viewed as a the obvious yeah, choice for, for the SNP. Glowing newspaper write-ups. Absolutely. That's a very good example of it. So I think, you know, this campaign has weeks left to run. Mm. Anything can happen, really. If she stays in, and Hamza Yusuf maybe makes some, some kind of mistake elsewhere, things could change. I, I can't see it happening. You know, if I'm going to call this right now, I'd say that she's not <laughs> the likelihood of money winning on the table, this at the end. Money on the table. <laughs> it's limited. It seems like Hamza Yusuf probably will come out on top. But uh, I, again, I completely accept the fact that journalists and commentators frequently get these things wrong. I think there is, when it comes to leadership races, when it comes to elections, uh, kind of an element of groupthink sets in. Mm. And people within the, the Hollywood bubble or the Westminster bubble all come to a kind of perceived consensus on something. And it isn't always what ends up happening. So let's move on to Hamza Youssef, um, who is now the clear front runner. The bookies have him as, as the clear favourite at the minute. He's had a remarkable turnaround in the last week from someone who, when we did a poll with Savanta uh, after Nicola Sturgeon's resignation, he was languishing around the bottom of the kind of established candidates in terms of both kind of voter awareness, but also popularity. Even with SNP voters, he was down on 7%. Kate Falls on 18% as a preferred choice. Angus Robertson on 14, John Swinney on 11. He was well down the list. 
but now he appears to be the establishment's choice, the clear front-runner, the continuity candidate, if you will. He's had a pretty good week. He has, and he had his uh, leadership campaign launch earlier in the week in Clyde Bank. Uh, I went along to it. I think he did a, a pretty good job of presenting himself as the continuity candidate, uh, the candidate that was going to continue things like the gender recognition reform, the attempt, the attempt to challenge the UK government in court over their decision to block that. It was interesting that he, although clearly aligning himself with the, the kind of continuity Nicola Sturgeon favoured candidate, he did try and create some kind of differences. And I think he used the phrase, I'm my own man, particularly on independence. Mm. So he really distanced himself from Nicola Sturgeon's plan to use the next general election as a de facto referendum. His plan is effectively to try and build support and create a, a quote-unquote settled will of the Scottish people and uh, create a situation where the, the UK government couldn't possibly refuse because it's you know, presumably you'd have polling so high that it would, you know, you could point to it and say this is the will of the people. Uh, whether SNP activists will buy that and like that, I'm not sure. He certainly the, seems to be the established candidate, and I think he's now had two cabinet secretaries, Michael Matheson, uh, Shirley Ann Somerville, coming out today and supporting his campaign. He's had several ministers supporting his campaign. So, yeah, he seems to very much have the momentum. So it's interesting looking at Humza's progression. I'm, but he is someone who, up until this leadership contest, was kind of considered gaff-prone, if you like. He had that incredibly awkward moment at SNP conference last year uh, where he effectively accused nurses who were about to strike of being patronising or let's not patronise each other over pay. He, he's got a, I don't know what you think, but he, he, I don't think he inspires fear in the minds of opposition. I mean, I think it's safe to say that, I mean, I've had opposition politicians say to me that they are, you know, quote unquote, licking their lips at the prospect of Hamza Yusuf being the new SNP leader. You've obviously got to take what opposition politicians say about this with a pinch of salt, but there is a perception that he is gaff prone, that he maybe hasn't been that great as health secretary, that he had problems when he was a transport minister. Um, I'm not sure how much the SNP membership would think that. I'm not sure that they would view his time uh, in charge of the health brief as particularly troubled. I, I, don't, I honestly don't know what they would think about it. They'd maybe uh, side with him on that one. But you're right, he does have a perception that he's prone to gas. And there's also that really, I mean, for him, mortifying footage when he oh, yeah, fell yeah. off his mobility scooter outside the chamber that I can guarantee opposition parties will create memes out of to be it's shared in social media. It, that is a fantastic example, though, of kind of what I mean in the sense that that footage is it's obviously mortifying, right? It's incredibly embarrassing. The way to respond, and I will give an example of Stephen Kerr with I, both the potato suggestion that he was a potato by the Scottish Parliament official website and also his teeth falling out um, in the middle of the Conservative Party conference is to make a joke of it. Yeah, you, Hamza Yusuf was famously poor-faced about it. Exactly. I think he complained about the BBC yeah, using he did. He, it on he, Twitter. He yeah. suggested it was ridiculous that he might have hurt himself and he wouldn't have done it to another disabled person, I think, was, was the language being used. He's quite thin-skinned. I think, I think people think that you, they can get under his skin. Yeah, there maybe is a there maybe is a bit of that. I think as well. Again, I, I go back to his independence message. He really didn't have. I think his message of I mean, it's almost like ultra gradualism in a way. Mm. It's very much independence will take time. We've got to go back, go back to the policy, go back and build that grassroots support. And you have elements of the SNP that are impatient and want to move faster than that. It's always a problem that Nicola Sturgeon had. That is arguably why she came up with this de facto referendum plan. She always said that it. 
it, it was flawed. Mm. It wasn't her preferred position, but she felt she had to do something. Uh, and I think Hamza Yusuf will come up against those kind of problems as well, if, if that's all he's got to say in this matter. Do you think it's fair that, as so far, he's, he's avoided questions about his faith and his policies? I don't think he has avoided questions on it. I mean, I was in the, the media huddle after his event in Clydebank and he was asked about it. Uh, and he gave an answer that effectively shut it down by saying that, you know, he is obviously a man of faith, but he doesn't legislate on the basis of his faith. It doesn't come into how he legislate some things and he was very clear about his support for equal marriage um, I know there's been some kind of debate online about the extent of that support but he has been quite clear about what he thinks about it so I think to that extent he has faced questions on it but yeah I mean not to the same extent as Kate Forbes but that's because she came out and had a position uh, had a view on it that was governed by her faith so let's let's move on to the last contender someone who I think I'm, I mean I'll admit to basically ruling out as a serious contender in the form of Ash Reagan, who's, as mentioned, the former community safety minister, gender rebel, not particularly well known outside of Holyrood, and someone who we assumed was going to struggle. She's 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 managed a, a relatively good few days. She's clearly aligning herself with a particular wing of the party, one that you would maybe point at as a kind of Salmondite view, you know, very strong on the A9 dueling, some a big failure of the last of the current leadership, very strong on oil and gas and the continuation of extraction, something that the current leadership are very much, you know, against in the long term. Um, and obviously gender reforms as well, something that that part, that kind of constituency of the SNP, it feels very strongly on. I mean, it's probably too early to say she hasn't sat down with the media and done any serious questions but should Kate Forbes drop out or even should Kate Forbes not drop out is there a surprise package in the in the, in the offing so I'll probably caveat what I'm about to say is this is not my uh, I'm not saying this is my position I'm not saying this is my view but there is you could there is a scenario that maybe should not be discounted that you could have a figure like Ash Regan that to journalists to the general public um, well particularly to the general public mm. not well known not seen as a seen as very much an outsider candidate but if she talks directly to the membership and says the things that they want to hear particularly on independence if she's strong in that she could gain some kind of support I again we don't know much about the SNP membership so you just don't really know the extent of that support you don't really know where that could go uh, and we have seen situations past I'm not again I'm not saying this is what's going to happen here but situations like Jeremy Corbyn, who was you know, very much written off, but mm. ended up coming through because of his appeal to members. But again, I think we're going to have to wait and see until when she actually launches her campaign. So she's launching it on Friday, and that will be the first time that she's actually taken proper questions about this from a range of media. And I think if she can impress people then, uh, or at least get her message across in, in a consistent way and have you know strong things that she's saying on particular issues then, yeah, you'd maybe have to look at her as having an appeal to a certain kind of member. Uh, I think one of the things she definitely seems to be doing at the moment is that although she's announced her campaign, she's done very little media. Mm. I think she's done, she has done some broadcast. She's been there just outside the Hollywood Chamber when she's been doorstep by journalists and she's been very much refusing to take questions uh, until she launches her campaign. So there's not been that much media engagement yet, so it's very hard to see what she's actually going to be like as a performer, I mean, she could stand up on Friday and, and fall apart. We just don't know. The interesting thing about her as well, she, you know, the the background to her career is 
quite interesting. But there was a story back in 2019, I think she's got quite a lot of difficult questions to, to answer about it, around the existence of non-disclosure agreements and the sums, it was in the Herald, the story, um, you know, of thousands of pounds being paid to ex-employees, potentially, about the way that she treated them. It's, you know, kind of up in the air a little bit. She's going to face difficult questions on Friday, isn't she? She'll face a number of difficult questions uh, and her whole campaign so far, I mean, it was kick-started really in the aftermath of the gender reforms. Ash Reagan obviously resigned as a minister uh, over Nicola Sturgeon's gender reforms. She has the support of Joanna Cherry, high-profile SNP MP and gender critic, critic of Nicola Sturgeon. Mm. Yeah, she, she has a number of questions to answer. I think it's just, as I say, it's extremely hard to say anything meaningful about Ash Reagan <laughs> until we've actually heard her set out, properly set out her pitch in front of the media, but also just what her pitch is going to be to members. We've She's done this kind of bizarre thing so far of kind of trickling out policies over Twitter. I think she had that tweet about oil and gas the yeah. other day, as you referred to. She said various other things, but it's, it's been quite a strange way to do it in the sense. She hasn't had a, a Kate Forbes had a very slick video mm. that she released that mm. was very professional. Uh, Hamza Yusuf obviously had his launch event uh, with all these kind of pre-made placards and you know people like Michael Matheson, the transport secretary attending. Uh, we just haven't seen any of that from Ash Reagan. So it's it's really, it's just really hard to, to get a handle on her, I think, at the moment. It's interesting, isn't it? I think we'll, <laughs> let's be honest, we don't know what in God's name is going to happen next. No, I mean, I think, <laughs> caveat this with what I said earlier on about political consensus, but it definitely seems that Hamza Yusuf at the moment is by far the favourite to win. Um, Obviously, as journalists, we've attended SNP conferences in the past. Mm. And one of the things you can say about them is that you very rarely get rebellions against the leadership. The members broadly support the leadership. Uh, they liked Nicola Sturgeon. So I think if there is a candidate that seems like they have the backing of the, the mainstream SNP leadership, you would expect them to win it. And that seems to be Hamza Yusuf, even from Deputy First Minister John Swinney's comments this morning, mm. where he was quite, I think, quite damning, actually, about Kate Forbes. He didn't directly criticizer but he was effectively saying that it's up to the members to decide if they want someone with those views to lead the party so yeah I think the momentum seems to be in Hamza Yusuf's side and I think just to briefly go back to Ash Reagan and Kate Forbes ultimately what happens next is going to depend on whether or not Kate Forbes sticks around because and you know you may disagree with me Alistair but I think Kate Forbes and Ash Reagan are probably fishing in the same pond when it comes to SNP members I'm not sure about that. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I think Kate Forbes, I mean, you've got to remember that although there's been this kind of storm of the past couple of days, Kate Forbes was one of the people that Nicola Sturgeon mentioned in an interview a while back as a potential successor to her. Mm -hmm. She's not an outsider in the way that Ash Reagan is. She's right. someone, she's finance secretary. Obviously, she's been on maternity leave, but she's had a senior role in government. She's widely seen as a hugely talented, impressive politician, admired Across political divides, I think it's actually quite notable if you speak to people in the Scottish Conservatives, Scottish Labour, the number of people who have positive things to say about her, not necessarily about her politics, but about her personally. Yeah. They just, they she's think. She's very well thought of. She's fundamentally, they think she's fundamentally decent. Mm. They like her personally. Um, she has a, a broad ranging appeal. I think we've seen the limits of that when it comes to our views on things like gay marriage, but. It still exists. It's still there. And I think if you hang around Hollywood speaking to politicians, there's a degree of sympathy, even from those who vehemently disagree with her, just because they do think that she's coming from a decent place. 
Uh, I think Ash Regan is much more of an outsider when it comes to that. She was only ever a junior minister. She wasn't in the cabinet. She was someone who was never seen particularly close to the current SNP leadership. So I don't think they're, I'm not sure the extent to which they're appealing to the same people, but I know exactly what you mean though when you say that. Fantastic. Well, that's all we've got time for this week. Do listen out um, for more from the Scotsman and the Steamy next week. Um, if you want to hear more and read more about our politics coverage, you can go to scotsman.com newsletter, sign up to our politics newsletter. All you have to do is chuck your little email address into a little box and tick a little button and you'll get a little newsletter semi-regularly. It's the best way to know when the Steamy has come out. Thank you, Alistair, for listening. Enjoy your elongated weekend despite my bitterness that I'm sure you can hear in my voice (laughs) and we'll speak to you next week thank you very much at home for listening